Hello, everyone. Welcome to Game Junk Prototype, episode 86, recording on Sunday, November 28th, 2021. My name is Frank. My name is Sean. And my name is Andrew. And with Thanksgiving week slash Black Friday, it's been a a desert of video game news. So we're going to get into some junk mail today. But before we do that, uh, what about Black Friday shopping? Anyone pick up anything interesting? I literally bought nothing. I might hit the Oculus store before that sale ends, but so far I've not made a single video game purchase. I, I lie. Sorry. I did buy a a drive to extend my storage on my PS5. That's about it. Ooh, nice. Uh, hmm, yeah, it was kind of a slow year, particularly in Canada, I feel like. But, you know, I, I uh, re-upped on Game Pass. Had to be done, obviously. Sorry, I lied uh, again. I bought three more years of PlayStation Plus at, at Costco. <laughs> it was on sale. That's good choice. So I'm good, I'm good till 2025. Blue Haze all the way. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. What did I... Like, I, I did grab a few... Th- things on steam just kind of like random little indie games that i've been interested in and oh i got the the mega man zx zero collection on the switch i think all the legacy collections are on sale right now i there is some good stuff on switch but like i have most of the stuff i would have wanted so there is no first party stuff on sale like it's like five games by nintendo that are on sale. There's like well, games yeah, I've been waiting for for two years that have never gone on sale. I'm never buying them Nintendo unless you put them on sale ever. <laughs> yeah, there, there was some stuff, first party stuff, but like stuff I feel like has been on sale before most of it. So and I Tropical Freeze has not been on sale for I think a year and a half, and the game is ten years old. Give me a fucking break. That eighty dollars. I already bought it once for eighty dollars and didn't play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what about you I, Huck? I picked up a few things on steam on the latest steam sale nothing too big mostly just stuff i want to play that had like a slight discount i picked up inscription uh the veil uh dusk which is sort of like a doom kind of sh- new shooter game i picked up tales of viseria because it was like eight dollars or something like that and then i picked up the new final fantasy 5 pixel remaster that just came out so those things i picked up and i will uh probably never play any of them but uh you know they're now in that's the list that's what it's all about yeah yep <laughs> gotta build that list <laughs> i almost re oh, yeah. i haven't played guardians of the galaxy in a while i'm debating rebuying it uh with on xbox to satisfy my gangrene and get back to where i was so that's a sad state of where i'm at Anyway, let's that get in, let's get into the junk mail. Number one, hey game buds, watch the new action button review yet? What a great concept! My God, does it actually make me want to pick up Cyberpunk again? Regards, Greg. So I've only watched the first part, like the intro to the review. By we're talking about action button by Tim Rogers, and he did a eight part, eight hour cyberpunk comprehensive review i watched the first part and it was amazing like when he gets into his pc specs and everything like the guy is just he speaks to me he's the funniest guy going in a world where nothing is funny anymore he's about the funniest thing for me uh so i don't i'm 
I do want to play Cyberpunk again, and I completely agree with Greg. It made me want to play Cyberpunk again. I have to buy a PC. I literally have to buy a PC in the next week or two weeks. So I think I'm going to try to play it on PC. How about you guys? Did you watch it? Do you care? I Well, I have been advocating for us to review Tim Rogers' review of Cyberpunk 2077, and Frank is the hard stop because he wants to actually play the game. Okay, for the record, Sean's the hard stop. (laughs) I can tell you that, right? Sean has no interest. I'm entertaining the idea. I don't mind what I've seen of the guy, but I don't know that I can watch eight hours of anything on YouTube. You don't have to. You don't have to. Well, first of all, we'll split it up. Tim demands that you watch it on a TV. His reviews are meant to be consumed on a TV in full (laughs) strength. If you watch the Beatles get back, you can watch a nine hour cyberpunk review. Dare I say? No, we're not all watching. Technically I can, but do I? I think it's more entertaining than the Beatles documentary, but Hmm. we'll get into that. Film junk. Tim, the God, Tim Rogers said, do not watch all six parts or all of the six review parts. Only watch two of them. So I was. Yeah, we should say. In this, now it, I know Frank will watch all six, and he will have a comprehensive review. But the rest of us can only. Well, watch, isn't it intro watch six options and then an outro or something like that? Like, is it eight parts total? It, yes. Yeah. So you're supposed to watch like four intro, outro, and then two of the middle. Yeah, and I think, well, I guess we should say, the idea is it's a choose-your-own-adventure review creating parallels to cyberpunk, but, I mean, you got to watch all eight. Like, the guy just puts (laughs) out... That's the whole idea. I like that, but... The best con... Yeah, you love choose-your-own-adventure. You have to watch this. But we'll see. We'll get... We'll see, Greg. We'll see what happens, how this evolves over the holiday break. I, I must say, I had Cyberpunk 2077 in my cart in Steam, and I said, no, I will not be paying $40 for this still. I mean, if you like, was. or if you use GOG, I think there's codes out there for like 28 bucks or whatever. I have this great system called the Libraire, where I could just get that baby for free. And let me tell you, no one is borrowing Cyberpunk 2077 right now, so I could have it for like five weeks straight, no problem. Hmm. Just, just yeah, throw mean, that out there. I'll, I'll pick it up again when they put out that DLC, but it sounds like that's going to be delayed again, right? Like it's definitely not coming out this year. Yeah, I'm curious to hear what he has to say because, I mean, obviously the the game is still a year like old and hasn't really been updated. It's still full of problems, which is... Very peculiar. Okay, next. Hi, guys. Did you play the Fatal Frame games back on the PS2 days? If so, what's your thoughts on them? I'm debating on getting the new Fatal Frame that comes out at the end of October. Uh, you just take pictures the whole, whole game. Or sorry, do you just take pictures the whole game? And is the game scary? Matthew from Fort Worth, Texas. I honestly don't know. I've never played a Fatal Frame game. Uh, I didn't even know that the frame in the title Fatal Frame was relating to pictures. I'm, I assume that it is. I? Uh, I know nothing about it. Did not buy it. Didn't even see reviews. What's the Metacritic on this uh, This POS? I, don't, I feel like it was kind of well received at the time. I don't know. How many installments are there? No idea. The Metacritic is 63. I have also never touched a Fatal Frame game, so I would not be interested in this. 
Yeah, I, I've never played any. And I'm, I'm not even sure. Like, I always thought, and maybe I'm, like, completely off on this. Like, when did the first one come out? 2001. I wasn't sure if in Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes, they had the, the ghost pictures. Do you remember that for, like, all the Silicon Knights employees? I, don't. I wasn't sure if that was influenced <laughs> by this. I, I, I don't know. Just random thought, but it's possible. Okay. Hey, hey guys, just a quick one off the top of your head. Do you have any favorite games you think are underrated unknown? Titanfall two is my pick. It got great reviews, but it pretty much got crushed between call of duty and battlefield. And many people just forgot about it. Great campaign. And my favorite multiplayer still play to this day. Keep up the great work. Jonas in Finland. I, I feel like yeah. Titanfall 2 gets a lot of attention. Like a lot of people stand by the campaign and the multiplayer. I tried playing the campaign. I thought it was good. I, In terms of underrated or unknown, I played it because everyone kept telling me it was amazing, and it was actually overhyped for me. So I wouldn't mind going back to it because I tend to like respawn stuff. But, uh, I mean, we're all going to say, that, well, at least Huck and I are going to say the same underrated unknown game. Oh, yeah. Kaze and the Wild Masks, and yeah, I will time. go to my constant uh, other one, Scourgebringer, which no one has played that needs to be played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would sh- sh- just mimic that. Like, Kaze, how is no one playing this game? It is so fun. Like, people are buying Tropical Freeze at $80 on the goddamn Nintendo <laughs> Switch, and you can't afford $20 for Kaze, which is probably better, although I've never played Tropical Freeze, but... Pretty similar, I think, aren't they, Frank, in style? A little bit, yeah. I mean, Kaze's, you could argue, is a Donkey Kong Country ripoff in its essence. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, anyways, it's crazy, crazy. Yeah, I will throw out uh, the Blaster Master Zero series. Nobody really talks about these. You know, Metroidvania is all the craze these days, but... Uh, and I mean, I'm even guilty. Part three, I've played the first two. Part three is out this year. I haven't played it yet, but I love the first two. And I, I don't know. I guess maybe some people feel like if you don't know the original NES game, you know, they they feel like it's some continuation of something they aren't familiar with maybe. But it's cool because it's like Metroidvania with a vehicle. And then you kind of go into these uh, isometric style um, where you get out of your vehicle and kind of go on foot. So it's got two kind of styles of play, and I, I, I like those games quite a bit. Yeah, I'm going to echo the thoughts of Game Informer uh, back a few years ago and say Embers of Miram. No one's talking about it. Why not? It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so wondering what Frank thinks of the label Boomer Shooter, uh, M. Joshua F., I honestly I've ne- haven't even heard of it. I had to look it up. I guess it's like a first-person shooter akin to Doom Wolfenstein type stuff. Is that right? Or does it make its way into Call of Duty games? I, I really am not even clear on the definition at this point. Yeah, I think I it's just like old-school first-person shooter with like very little in terms of, uh, you know, no cover mechanic or anything okay. like that. Like just stripped down, sense. like run-and-gun kind of thing. Which I, I think that Dusk game that Huck mentioned would probably yeah, fall into so. that yeah. category. Yeah, probably. And, I mean, to some degrees, the Doom reboot tried to capture that. 
where it was not a lot of cover. It's about being fast, going after things. So in that sense, if it refers to shooters that have an emphasis on like aggressive gameplay versus taking cover all the time, I love boomer shooters. Give them to me. Resistance, I think, <laughs> falls into that category too, which I also love. Okay. It also it also means you're old if you like it, right? So well, I am old. I'm almost dead, so <laughs> I'm fine with that too. Well, I'm not. I'm terrified, but it is what it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. Game Junk Premium Podcasts. When? Seriously, though, having the boys play an older game from start to finish and getting everyone's take would be great. Basically, Game Junk reviews, but for some games that may have passed you guys by. Would be a good excuse to go back and actually finish some games you guys have been meaning to. I'd pay for that, or maybe even drop tier. Dustin. I mean, we kind of did that once, didn't we? Didn't we do uh, Chrono Trigger? Yeah. We did, yeah. I think we kind of thought maybe we would do that a bit more, but, uh, you know, it's time-consuming, obviously. Yeah, I guess (laughs) I'd be more interested in doing it, excuse me, with, uh, like, shorter games, like 8-bit, 16-bit type of stuff where you can maybe beat it in a couple hours. Even Chrono Trigger was pretty long. So, uh, yeah. I know I'm in, I'm intrigued. Uh, dropping tier Patreon premiums. It's been discussed. Uh, I, I think there would have to be a certain amount of demand. I don't know if that's there. Time will tell. If you if you're into that idea, let us know in the YouTube comments or Discord, youtube.com forward slash game junk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like I, I I think that would be a, definitely a motivator to go back to certain games that we've wanted to play. I think, unfortunately, the most demand probably would be for huge games like Red Dead 2, Death Stranding, things like that, oh, I th- The Witcher I, 3. Well, this, I believe, is like going to old, old games, not necessarily things that in the past uh, maybe, five yeah, years. I, I guess, yeah, I, I wasn't too sure. It just seemed like, you know, let's get some group reviews for something that's not current. I feel like if we the first one we would have to do is Binary Domain. I feel like it's been talked about so much that I would love that. This almost needs to be done. <laughs> well, I mean, we already have a full playthrough minus all the stuff Sega made me take out for copyright issues <laughs> on the YouTube channel. So, uh, I mean, I've already done it. I'll do it again. I love that game. It's the best <laughs> game ever. Yeah, that's true. You guys missing out by not obsessing over that game like I do. Any other thoughts on that one, gentlemen? No, no, I think you said it all. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was curious about how Game Junk feels about how, as with almost everything else, politics has started to permeate its way into gaming. What are your thoughts on games with a message? Do political statements have a place in gaming? No, nothing. Uh, I guess, like, my broad answer for this is, I mean, I guess this is talking more about social commentary, which has kind of been in every form of media ever. And I'm like, it's always been in games to some degree, I think. Maybe it's there more so. I don't, it really doesn't affect me all that much. I, I don't have a problem with it, but I don't even pay attention to game story. I kind of ignore anything like that. It's, uh, I'm fine with it. I just, I like a game based on the gameplay. I, I don't even recognize some of this stuff sometimes. I, I mean, sometimes I do, and it's used to great effect, but, you know, it doesn't mean I'm going to like it as a result, but. I'm all about the gameplay. That's about it. Yeah, I would I would say like bring it on. I love it. I love 
anything with a message, even if you see the message or not. Like, why should we be worried about this? This is fine. I mean, people should be uh, allowed to play and try anything they want, and people should be allowed to make whatever they want and put it out there. And if people like it, they'll like it. And if they don't, they don't. And, uh, you know, I think one thing that games hasn't done yet is sort of integrate like a political state statement or like you're saying, like social commentary into the gameplay seamlessly, not no games that I could think of. And that would be kind of cool to experience that where I don't know, maybe in VR, it would be easier, but I don't know. I don't know how you would kind of merge the two together. I'm sure maybe some games have done it. Maybe like papers, please maybe kind of gave you sort of like the closest thing. The one that came to mind for me in terms of actual gameplay tying directly yeah. into that, yeah. I think unpacking came kind of close to that as well. Yeah, a yeah, but bit. is that really like making a message, or is that just kind of like living an experience? Or yeah, it's just, I mean, to some degree, it's there, but uh, yeah, following a story in a in a non traditional way, I would say unpacking is. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's like it's part of games maturing right like you want to be taken seriously as an art form you have to be able to accept that these kinds of things are going to exist in games i mean maybe a better question is do they belong in blockbuster games and that's like a trickier question because it feels like blockbuster games are kind of scared in a lot of ways to go anywhere close to you know like we talk about the ubisoft games that kind of play in a zone with some political stuff but then they say oh we're not commenting on anything and they try to like remove themselves from any actual statements i mean i guess that's a reflection more of the companies than the games yeah i mean i i think it's like huck was saying it's kind of each game's decision as to how they want like to what level they want to do that kind of stuff and People either like it or or they won't. And I think it's usually based on the quality of the game. But I'm sure there's uh, exceptions out there with, you know, comment sections and like looking at IGN comments. It's ridiculous. So, Yeah. Also from Know Nothing, what are the Game Junk crew's most anticipated games of 2022? (laughs) Sean, I think you have a comedic take on this. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't make a list because it basically is my list of, for 2021. <laughs> like, yeah. Almost all my most anticipated games got delayed. So, uh, yeah, go check that one out. <laughs> Horizon is number one. Not even close. I, was, I can't even think of a number two. New God of War, maybe? Well, I'm still unsure if that's coming out yeah. next year. Yeah. <laughs> Breath of the it's not Wild be 2. Elden Ring. Breath of the Wild out, 2 is uh, definitely not going out next year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, there better be at least one Arkham spin-off game, like either the uh, Suicide Squad or the, uh, what's the other one? Gotham Knights or whatever. Gotham one, at least one of those better come out next year. Here's one I'm looking forward to that I just saw is the next A Plague Tale game which I'm looking forward to. Uh, I really like the first one, and I'm looking forward to the second one. Definitely. I'm looking for Kaze and the Wild Mask 2 also. High on my list. <laughs> uh-huh. Not going to happen probably, but, you know, can always hope. Okay, moving on. Uh, greetings, fellow junkers. With Frank raving about Nintendo bosses, except Breath of the Wild, 
Which are your favorite bosses and why? Voitech. I don't know if we want to show our hand here because Frank's saying this would be a good top five list at some point, which I agree. Uh, so I didn't give it too much thought, but just a couple quick ones I can say that came to mind for me. One was uh, Scarecrow in um, Arkham Asylum. It's uh, a good one. Very cool, creative boss fight. Uh, the um, st- The Stranger in God of War. Overrated for me. And the, the, well, the first one that came to mind for me, which is, I think, like the standard, like, cool, clever boss fight, Psycho Mantis in Metal Gear Solid. Well, I mean, I guess it's worth debating what makes a good boss fight. When I did a quick uh, Google search, it's basically hardest boss fights ever. Boss fights, you know, like, I don't associate yeah. difficulty with a good boss. I associate it being memorable and, you know, interesting or a change up on what you've done already. Like my default is to go to the things I remember the most. And I haven't played Metal Gear Solid in probably 20 years. And I can remember the four bosses I love from that based on their name. I didn't have to look it up. Psycho Mantis, Revolver Ocelot, Sniper Wolf, and Vulcan Raven. All four of those bosses are amazing. And I think like Metal Gear Solid as a collective might be the best set of game bosses ever. And there's always kind of a unique twist. So got to give uh, Kojima props on that one. Uh, I've the great mighty Pooh from conquer Ganon in Ocarina of time, cat Bowser in Mario 3d world, uh, Hades and God of war three. A lot of the Neo bosses. I clearly don't, I do not like bosses that are like this human or the same size as you. I like scale. I like like big deals with my boss fights. So Ogress, Nue, White Tiger, and Giant Toad in Neo. Love all of those. Uh, Andros in Star Fox 64. Uh, Fortinbras in Onimusha. All the Resident Evil bosses, really, of the last, like, I think all of them. They're all great bosses. I love Resident Evil bosses. Bowser in Super Mario World, one of my favorite bosses of all time. Like it was using like the the mode seven graphics, like to kind of I guess it was just like zooming pixels in and out. I don't know if that's technically mode seven. But uh I loved that boss. That boss blew me away. And uh not really a boss, but the quiz show in Banjo Kazooie is a very memorable one for me. I just want to go out there. Uh, one list I looked at in like the top three, I think had the final Colossus in shadow of the Colossus. That is on my list, possibly of worst boss fights of all time may even be number one. It is awful. Even in the HD remake, like the remaster, it is atrocious. It is the worst gameplay design of any boss I can really think of unless we're counting uh, that one sub boss from sanctum of slime. It it is absolutely (laughs) awful. The telegraphs and how you, what to know what you're supposed to do on the one part with the hand. If you fall, you go all the way back to the beginning and have to do this meaningless climbing of all these steps to get back to the top. The last Colossus is the worst boss of all time. <laughs> Huck, what say you? Uh, well, I was going to say Shadow of the Colossus kind of in general, the game, like all the bosses in that. I, I obviously there are a few standouts um, that are really 
like ultra frustrating that would not obviously come anywhere near this list but i think in general that idea that was then kind of taken by like titan souls and um whatever the spin-off game they did after that that just came out um i'm blanking on just released recently anyways um but I think the idea of those bosses and having like this like giant puzzle that you had to solve was really cool. And I like those one that stood out for me that uh, I think I saw on one list, but it was like the last boss of undertale uh, specifically playing on PC where uh, spoiler alert, skip ahead uh, where like your game actually crashes. Like they hard crash your game on purpose. And you think like, it's completely fucked. And then when you reload, it is, it just goes right into the next section of the game. And I, I, I bet people got like, just shut it off. Like, fuck this game. Silicon Knights influence again. Second time this episode, <laughs> that is uh, a sanity effect pretty much. But did they hard crash like to the GameCube, and you had to physically reboot the game? No, I, I mean, I don't think that was allowed, but I think the spirit of the idea yeah. is the same as, like, deleting a save game file or doing... Sure. Yeah. Sure. What uh, other one on this list I found? Not totally, maybe not totally, but Lavos from Chrono Trigger. More so how you can fight him in many different time areas and the game kind of changes depending on how you do it like different endings and stuff and like when in time when in the game you fight him i find that kind of interesting so uh i don't know those are just a few i found off top of my head i didn't quite make as comprehensive a list as you guys did mine's not even comprehensive it's like first thoughts things that came to my mind immediately so i'm sure i've forgotten a lot as well perhaps we'll be revisited in a top five in the future also worse bosses all Final Fantasy end bosses. They are not good. Just put it out there. I saw Sephiroth on a lot of lists. I They're all the same. It's like, get your big crew together and then fight in this big battle that has a ton of different forms and the forms just get bigger and bigger and bigger and there's really nothing super interesting other than watching one to two minute long cutscenes of as they spawn some crazy magic over and over and over again to try to destroy you. Anyways, that's my rant. Done. Okay, so we have the Blue Haze for PlayStation fans and Gang Green for Xbox. Can you guys brainstorm some equally catchy names for being a Nintendo fanboy and a PC elitist? Uh, We need to start a Game Junk glossary. Dustin. Huck, you had some good thoughts on this. Yeah, I was just saying that uh, the name needs to come about organically. You can't just force this thing out into the ether. It's not going to just magically appear. Uh, There were some good suggestions in our Discord, though, I must say. Uh, There's one that you told to me that I think is the the leader in the clubhouse right now for Nintendo. Yeah, so the one that was standing out was Nintendroids. Programmed to to love everything Nintendo does, (laughs) defend everything they do. They have one... Prime operative, defend Nintendo at all costs. <laughs> I, I like Nintendroids a lot. <laughs> yeah, that one is good. That one is really good. So it doesn't have quite the color coordinated. I, for uh, one, am glad they are waiting to release this game and make it as good as it can possibly be. <laughs> I would pay more for a better game. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty good. I agree. 
I mean, I guess it's a question of like what, like blue haze and gangrene are more like the state of being obsessed with those platforms. So Nintendroids would be the name for Nintendo fans, but what's the state of Nintendo love? We got to think about that. Fair enough. Let's come up with something good, putting it out to the listeners. Let us know in youtube.com forward slash game junk. PC, I have nothing yet. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard one. It's not really a color or anything to rely on. Okay, really enjoyed this week's episode, and it actually reminded me of a frustration I have with Game Awards. This is referring to last week's Game Award nominee breakdown. As Sean mentioned, and Frank bemoaned, the idea of awarding games based on assumed genres is not working, and ends up tipping the hand for both the Game of the Year and Genre Awards. Basically, it's just gross. So, that said, what would be some actual worthwhile categories? The game equivalents to the Oscars? Or, let me refer, I read that like a bad teleprompter. (laughs) So that said, what would be some actual worthwhile categories? Something like the game equivalents to the Oscars. I don't know if the question is question mark is accurate. Am I understanding that? Am I? Yeah. I mean, is it going to, should it be more like the Oscars? Okay. Or, or like, or he's saying what would be the equivalent, the game equivalents of the Oscars. Okay. Best art direction, best gameplay design, best voice acting, solo ensembles, best score, etc. I feel like a lot of those are in the, the yeah, game I awards. Think so. Pretty similar. But yeah. it seems like there's a way to do it a much more interesting way and actually honor the people who uh, contribute to the games rather than just honoring the most marketed titles. Zenitrude. So, Sean, I really liked your thoughts on this pre-show. Go with it, bud. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, like the Oscars tend to break down categories based on guilds. So you're kind of honoring like people who are working in the industry in certain departments or areas. And you could do something similar with games, I think, where you could be like, you know, uh, character artists, environment artists, something, you know, uh, design. You could go uh, obviously sound design, music. You could go like lighting, cinematography. I feel like the art categories, you could even break down like 2D, 3D. Uh, You could do UI, uh, you know, like things like that. I I think you could really, I mean, that to me would be like. As an addition to that, can we like take the content of games, whether it's esports and YouTubers, whatever it is? Well, I consider myself a YouTuber. Like move that to a different award show. Like I, I'd like one that's focused on the content in games versus the content surrounding games. I, I, I've no, yes, I feel totally. like there's a lot of people who would be interested in one and only like there, there's not a lot of overlap in my opinion. I could be wrong, but it's certainly not the case for me. And I feel like a lot of like younger people who just watch content surrounding games don't actually play that many different types of games and genres. So, uh, I, I would split those up first of all, and I, I like Sean's ideas about like industry professionals voting on certain categories. Uh, I think design was a category we talked about last week that needs to be there, like specifically addressing design and give it to Dicey Dungeons. I would like <laughs> to see uh, legacy awards, like uh, for example, the sound design of Zelda needs a special award. Like it is so iconic. It's the most 
like recognizable, important sound design of any game ever. Like I, I feel like singling out these unique achievements in games and kind of showcasing how important that can be and how it can really kind of that basically way. make a game po- like every Zelda game I think would get a bump just because of re- the reuse and effectiveness of a lot of that sound design. So um, it doesn't always have to be sound design, but picking something like super influential that is you know, advanced games, I would like to see more legacy awards and not just for specific designers. I think it should be like a game or an idea in a game that's been huge. Yeah. I just want to circle back to what Sean was talking about and just kind of elevate that a bit more because there is so many like art related fields, like concept art, highly, highly useful in games, never talked about in these game awards, never concept arts, never talked about unless it's in some throwaway options menu that you unlock and you get to like look at the super compressed down crappy version of some 3d art that your concept art made or or 2d art that your concept art made artist made it's it's really a shame these guys do incredible work really incredible work and it's never seen it never sees the light of day i remember like Everywhere I go, you see incredible stuff by these guys. I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing there would be like a concept, like art awards where any artist could submit their stuff. Like, I feel like that might come down to the individual artist rather than the game. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was also just going to say like the, the Annie awards, which are the animation awards every, every year, they kind of get into some of this stuff, have a lot of the categories we're talking about. Where they have like character design and like animation specifically and 2D, 3D, stuff like that. Uh, but I guess the one question is like all this stuff we're talking about, like the, there's the Oscars, but then they also have like the technical awards where they don't even really televise it, right? And it's like, are we starting to get into that territory where this would be like the stuff that nobody cares about that's not televised but should still exist? And I don't know, maybe there is some organization that does that. But I think we I hinted at this last year, but... I mean, indie games, even the indie games that are nominated, they're like probably 20 person to like 30 person teams, like awards for studios with like less than three people or like, is there a award series that acknowledges like small development teams or single person development teams? I don't think so. But you you then run into the problem, like how do you define a studio? Because a lot of these studios have like a core team of five yeah, but then they outsource. I think it would be hours, like hours worked on the game, like some kind of metric for that, like how much t- time and effort went into it. Which I th- I think you could do that, like th- the small game award or something like that. I think uh, would be something I'd like to see, and I think it's a good one because I like playing short, small games that are creative, and I think th- they get lost in the shuffle. Like it's very rare that you're going to pick a game that's like an hour and worked on by two people to compete with these other indie games. There's no place to compete. Yeah. Unless you're Stardew Valley. Yeah, I guess that's true. Or, or Undertale, I guess those are the two kind of most yeah. recent kind of standout ones. Anything else for this question? I'm kind of spent. No, maybe just a quick, like, I'm sorry, Dave asked about the, the steam awards as well, which they have non genre specific categories which are kind of interesting, but I don't know that we have any specific nominations ourselves for, for those categories. And and actually they don't nominate anything. They just, it's a free, like 
write in your response for whatever game you want to nominate for those categories. And I think we would cover stuff like that in our year end show. Like anything we, we like just take a, our favorite game on our top 10 list, whatever's highest and applies to that category, slot it in. There was one yeah, interesting one though. The, wasn't there like a super casual version? I can't remember how they phrased Sit it. Sit back and relax. Sit back and relax. I, I like that one. Or best game you suck at. That would That's a good one un- too. Un- unpacking for that, me. That is, yeah, unpacking is definitely the sit back and relax one of the year for sure. Best game you suck best at. Best game I suck at is every game that I like. <laughs> so. <laughs> Lately it's Halo. Uh, <laughs> I don't... I don't suck at any game. I'm really good. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, there is a game I'm really bad at. Like, see, Demon's Souls is last year. I suck at that. Uh, I can't think of one this year. I've kind of beaten every game I've tried. That I've wanted to beat. I haven't gotten stuck on anything. Okay, next question. With so many games to play, how do you guys handle option paralysis? How do you decide what to play? El Producto. I mean, this is a huge one. <laughs> like, I, it, it's tough. And like, this is where like I don't I don't understand how everybody isn't a quote unquote dabbler like I am. Because how do you focus on one game when there's like fifty cool games coming out every week? Like, it's crazy. That's why you gotta. Take my approach. You got to ride the aura. Like right now I'm in a, a gangrene phase. You never know. It might switch to a blue haze next week. It changes all the time. I might become an intendroid for a couple weeks. It's <laughs> always kind of switching your, what you're into. And then that just kind of defines what you're going to play. And I mean, kind of talking about what Huck said before about the names for these phases, you really can't force it. If you try to force a game, you're going to play, it doesn't work. It just has to like, I'm in the mood to play this and it just kind of takes over your life. I tried to force so many games over the last two months. I thought things were taking, they didn't Kenna. I haven't gone back to guardians of the galaxy. I like them, but they're just not compelling me. This past few weeks has been a prime example. I'm compelled to play dicey dungeons and halo whenever I can. And that's the best feeling. It's just, it's got to come natural. Yeah. I, I, so with Game Pass in particular, I ran into this issue where I just I'm like, oh, I want to try that. I'll install it on my computer and then I'll get to it. And then before I know it, my install list is gigantic. And then I am met with this options paralysis talked about and I cannot get over it and I don't know what to play and I just sit there looking at the list. It's like Netflix. I'm just like looking and looking and looking and like, oh, that would be okay, I guess. And then keep looking for something better. And I realized this when I was young with the radio. Like, if you hear something good come on, kind of like what Frank was saying, just don't change the station. Just keep enjoying what you're enjoying at that moment. Realize, yes, there could be something better out there, but you're enjoying this right now, and just roll with it. So now what I've done is I basically look at what I want to play, and I uninstall almost everything else. So that when I turn on that Xbox or my PC, and I look at that list... There's maybe one or two games on there, and that's what I choose from. And if those are no longer enticing me to play them, I uninstall them and add something new to that list. So I try to keep the list as small as possible and then try to just go through the list as uh, 
as I come up, as I add stuff and try not to get overwhelmed, try to eliminate the option paralysis and minimize my options. I've often lamented that I wish I had a game that I just, it's all I wanted to play. It's all I wanted to do. Like that game where, you know, I don't want to dabble. I want to give all my love to this game. And I mean, it doesn't last forever. It's fleeting. But right now, Halo is that. It's Halo Infinite. If I have time, I want to get a few matches of Halo Infinite in. Yeah, and I I think that is a good, like, I like the radio analogy where it's like, you kind of, like, if you're enjoying something, don't give it up. Don't force yourself to go play something. And I I think with games, too, like, you know, movies are one thing. Like, it's like a 90-minute commitment. You start watching the movie, maybe you don't like it right away, but, hey, like, give it a chance. You know, you're sinking an hour into it or whatever. With games it's a little bit different like i feel like if you're really hating a game and you're like you know five ten hours in like what are you doing don't just move on yep and i know i talk about being a a trophy hunter or achievement horror but i actually think it is a good motivation to play games I never would have seen everything that Shadow of the Colossus has to offer if I didn't want to get the platinum for it. I sometimes it was annoying, but I actually appreciated that game the more I played it. So I think it that can be a good motivation as well. And again, you see everything a game has to offer in something like Sekiro, where I might have given it, given up on it initially, like going for every trophy. Uh, you know, it made it very memorable, and I. I love that game now. Sometimes it is just about dedication. You have to give credit to game designers that, you know, they understand their own game and like there is something to a long uh, tale to a game and they've thought about that. And sometimes it does take dedication to kind of get what the designers were going for or their target audience. I mean, it's not the best. You have to kind of like the game at some level to, to go to that. But, you know, Metroid Dread's a good example. The first like the story elements were not great, but the exploration, once you have all the powers was fantastic. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. The biggest thing with games is the time management's ridiculous. So if you're going to spend a lot of time on these things, make sure you're, you're liking the way you're spending that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's it for junk mail. Keep them coming Uh, on our discord link is in the comments or in the synopsis at youtube.com forward slash game junk, uh, game junk podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us some more, is that correct? Correct email. That is correct. And I guess you could hit up Sean on Twitter at uh, film junk and Andrew at equilibrium sis or game junk podcast on Twitter. And let's get into what we played this week. Anyone want to go first? Uh, I go first. I tried unpacking after you guys talking about it, and I beat it actually, and I enjoyed it. I don't know if I got as much out of you guys. I don't have this like obsessive compulsive need to organize my Blu-rays. If you guys looked at my organized rooms, you would probably lose your mind because literally I'm just like <laughs> put on the shelf, put on the shelf. I don't care what they look like. Everything on a shelf. If it fits on the shelf, it's good. To I mean, go. this is demonstrated <laughs> behind our our cameras. <laughs> <laughs> to some degree. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> you should see. You can't. Even, oh, there we go. There's some more <laughs> shit down there. <laughs> you can't even see over that way. It's even worse. <laughs> yes, that is how I live my life. I just throw everything in a pile and it works. 
down in this hole anyways. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I think it is a game that, yeah. Like if for certain people, it may be more stressful than relaxing, you know, we were talking about it for the, uh, sit back and relax award or whatever, but for some people it's more stressful than anything. Cause I mean, it is like work. It is like real work you have to do in real life, but something about it is very satisfying. Yeah. For me, it wasn't yeah, I, a satisfying oh. thing. It was just a cr- like what I look for with video game narratives, a way of telling a story without being like a movie. It like the storytelling is uniquely game driven and really just it's on you to kind of unpack the story and figure out what's going on. And I, I can't think of many games that do that. This might be the only one it's super unique. Yeah. I would, I would agree that it does tell its story by literally just unpacking box boxes, which is pretty incredible uh, yeah. to tell you the truth. And I, I, I found it pretty interesting that they were able to kind of lead you down this story path with such a simple mechanic. And you're like literally unpacking the same shit everywhere you go in some, in some instances, like occasionally you get new stuff here and there, but there's like some stuff in the kitchen. That's the same. Every time there's some stuff in the bedroom. That's the same every time. And it's just funny that, well, it's like a reflection, able like to res- the things that you yeah. take with you your entire life versus abandon your, your, uh, your interests change. Some things stay the same. They grow like it, it, it absolutely crushes all of those ideas. Yeah. And I mean, one, one minor thing just to touch on that I kind of found interesting is like as the game progresses and you kind of amass more stuff to put away, I found it interesting that in like the first area, <clears throat> some items that you start with, you almost display prominently. And then in the end areas, you're like, oh, that old piece of shit, I'll put it on the top shelf in the corner. Like, I don't need that anymore kind of thing. I just found it interesting how it even progresses in that way where you as the player almost have this like lack of nostalgia or nostalgia for certain items that you've had through this whole journey through the game, which I found also interesting in terms of games as art. I feel like this satisfies the requirements of kind of asking questions or generating conversation rather than answering things Uh, like how, like interpreting the story and different perspectives on that. I think it kind of like in terms of interactive story, I don't think I've played anything better. Yeah. And I was just going to say, I mean, there's a lot of room here for a sequel. Like they could do some pretty cool stuff moving forward from like, I don't want to spoil where it ends, but you could keep going and have a lot more happen in that life. I mean, you could have a different life completely with yeah different ideas. There's tons of ways to go with this and the side project uh, media unpacking (laughs) media organization game (laughs) name that box cover uh okay so i'll i'll just jump in and say i'm almost done death store i'm on the final boss fight but it is i don't know man that final like it the the end towards the end of the game it started to exhaust me a bit and it's not like, it is a hard game, I think, and part of it's on me. Like, we were talking about last time I talked about it. I didn't know that there's, like, you know, uh, life, expand your health, expand your magic ability things. Like, they're kind of hidden away. Even the uh You didn't play the soul... whole game with the umbrella, did you? No, I did, <laughs> I did not. But uh, even, like, upgrading your your abilities or your stats with souls, I wasn't doing that for half the game. So that was definitely hurting me. 
But now the final boss fight I'm finding is just one of those long boss fights that I just, I need a couple checkpoints in there. I don't know if I'm going to actually get through this thing. Uh, I'm having flashbacks now where you have to run through the stages and. Yeah. And it's just like, other than that, like, I really like the game, the design, like, obviously it's very Zelda-esque, but like the balance between combat and sort of the puzzle solving and the level design, I think is all great. But there's just some areas where the difficulty just kind of made me like dislike the game for a while. So, um, yeah, I don't know. But it's it's definitely still worth checking out. I mean, that'll be in my probably top five games of the year. And I think Kaze suffers from the same thing. The last boss is like a bunch of phases that is extremely punishing if you fail one. So let's, uh, you know, as an indie, I mean, the same thing happened with the game I worked on, Embers of Miram. I thought the last boss fight was the best part of the game. And then people said it's impossible and we had to change it. That. And I thought it was like, I thought everyone else would say the first three bosses are like too easy. Like this game's a joke. And then people would be like, Oh, finally the last boss is, is interesting and good. And it was the exact opposite. So like you can get too close to your game too. And I feel like a lot of the indie games, the final bosses are suffering from that. Guacamelee and Guacamelee 2 suffer from that as well. Yeah, they I mean they they nerfed a couple of the final bosses in Guac 1, right? Yeah. 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 Interesting trend. Like just I mean yeah. it's basically comes down to not having enough playtesting or ability to like expand playtesting, not identifying target market correctly to some degree. But uh yeah, I don't know. Death Door rocks. I've been playing Halo Infinite like into the wee hours of the morning and it's affecting my life. Like I'm literally barely <laughs> sleeping. Um, I won't even get into my current sleep schedule today, but I absolutely love it. I did the weekly challenges again. I did all the event stuff. I just think it's perfectly balanced. It, it's so good. It's the best multiplayer game I've ever played. Hands so, down. I mean, I, I know there have been some complaints out there, right? Like, like obviously we talked about the, um, the battle pass. Yeah. The progression system is different and especially with Fortnite and call of duty, which are the current representative, like best games that to do that stuff, you're always getting progression. It's nonstop. Now the season, the first season of halo infinite goes until may. So I feel like they've, scaled back to ad- address complaints that I have about games where the seasons go so fast that, you know, you can't get everything unless you're playing it every day. You know, you feel like you're falling behind in the game. And I think it's like a they're playing a, a long game here where they want casual people to not be intimidated by the progression systems, feel like I'm never going to get to do everything. I, I, I don't want to play this game all day, every day in order to, complete the battle pass. I I actually, I'm kind of in favor of this in the long run. I think they could do some small things to reward in-game XP, like performance on a per match basis. But I don't know. I kind of think I see where they're going with it and I'm, I'm going to give it a chance. Yeah. There was some kind of like armor or something, right? The samurai armor or something. Yeah. That was like really hard to get or something. I mean, I got it, but, uh, (laughs) but I mean, you're putting obviously a lot of time in, 
Not so, really. I mean, I mean, you had to get five killing sprees in the in the last challenge in this new gameplay mode. It was uh, it was doable. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like what? I feel like there are a few other complaints I read, and I don't remember what they were. You need now, the but... hero music cue. I'm sure if Jay's listening, he's <laughs> yeah needs that to be played right now. <laughs> but I, I f- that's why Halo's good. Like Call of Duty is, it's kind of changing everything. Where it's you know your scope, speed, how fast you move, your aim down the sights, and it's like constant tweaking of all these weapons and doing your loadouts and managing all this stuff that to me, isn't that much fun. And I think Halo is focusing on completely balanced gameplay where each weapon is kind of nuanced, the pros and cons to each weapon. You have to learn them uh, and find out what situations you use them in. All of the different power-ups have cool uses and like, secondary and tertiary ways you can use them in creative ways. And as people start to discover those and it becomes second nature to use those things, I I think they've really carefully thought out uh, the balance and fairness of these games. I feel like it's always fair where call of duty. I'm just snapping sometimes with like the maps are so well designed. There's no, not really places to hide. It's kind of perfect. I have very few complaints. If I lose at a game, it's because I'm playing like shit. Yeah. I mean, from what I played, it was a lot of fun. And I don't, I mean, it's hard for me to put myself in the mind of, you know, the people who are playing these kind of first person shooter games a lot and are, you know, wanting to, I guess, be able to level up without having to pay, but like without sinking like hours and hours and hours in as well. Like, I don't, it's, I don't know how you balance that. Like, it seems impossible. I mean, I, I know I said I've been playing constantly. I haven't played that much. Like to, to do the weekly challenges, it was, to be fair, I did spend some currency to swap out challenges. So, uh, maybe that's a factor as well that I, I should be considering, Hmm. but, uh, I don't know. I think it's, they're taking a different approach and I guess it, I like it. I don't, obviously not everyone does, but it, it works for me. And I, I guess if I had one minor complaint, I wish, or I hope I'm sure they will be adding playlists and different uh, ways of playing the game as the game expands. But I wish there was a mode without vehicles. I feel like the vehicles are really OP and it can kind of overtake a, a game to some degree. Uh, and I wish there was a way of playing without any vehicles at all. Well, I, I played some Halo Infinite. I played like two more matches. I got up to level two. That's right. I completed some of their... What's the thing called where it's like Fiesta something? Is, is that like that's, the weekly... Okay, so that's an event. This is a weekly event. event. Yeah. That's what I did. I did the event thing. That was cool, I guess. Random weapons and stuff. It was fun. I like Fiesta. Uh, I'm really, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I'm really but, excited for the campaign now. Yeah, I'm sort of, sort of excited. The grapple, the grapple hook is really good. I, I'm curious to see how they're going to because it's open world. How are you going to take all these different power ups? I feel like in Halo games they like decide what, very specifically where weapons and items are placed. And if it's open world, how do you 
you know, make sure or make a, a, a section interesting for one power up or for all power ups and how they decide like kind of the choice based, um, like play styles, like how you're going to play each area. I feel like it would be better if they had certain areas where you're supposed to use the grappling hook and they're kind of designed to fit that. I don't know which way they're going to go with that stuff. I'm, I'm really curious to see uh, how it does that. Yeah. Um, I could talk about a different game that is also, we were talking about games that are flying under the radar. Uh, this game I tried cause it's on game pass and I thought the pixel art looked really cool. And it's a game called Flynn son of crimson. And it is a 2d pixel action platformer game. Um, uh, I was trying to think of some comparables. I'm sure there are some out there. I can't really think of any off the top of my head. Like, I guess Castlevania would kind of be it, though it's not really a Metroidvania in that regard. It's more just, like, set levels. And just to warn you, Frank, there is a dog companion. So be warned. But I am... I'm kind of... I'm in the in his play in in between spots. So I've only the dog looks cool. I'm down with this dog. Like it's not like it looks really cool, and that's what drew me to the game. Like the pixel art is really incredible. The animations are really great, and uh, they don't beat you over the head with any like crazy story or anything in the beginning. They kind of just like set you on your way, and you kind of just start going through these levels. And so far, there hasn't been any overly interesting puzzles. There hasn't been any overly complicated combat, though they do have a pretty good combat system where you you attack and then the enemies kind of telegraph that they're going to attack and you can dodge roll through them and then continue to attack and you can knock them out and kind of stun them. That's all good, but it doesn't really like... It hasn't really captured me yet. I'm liking everything I'm playing, but it hasn't grabbed me. So I want to go back and play more and see if it can grab me. It does have that. I'll tell you what, I'm like, looking at some gifts right now and it's grabbing the fucking shit out of me. Like I, well, <laughs> it kind of feels well, like part Kaze, part uh, combat from dead cells and a bit of, uh, I don't know. I'm getting cave story vibes, even though it's not a, a Metroidvania. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of confused because, okay, so this game came out on the 15th of September. So it's, it's been out for about two months, two and a half months. It only has like four or five Metacritic reviews for each platform. So people aren't even looking at this game at all. And the, the teams that are, or the places that are reviewing it are not places I would recognize really. I mean, like team Xbox or whatever this is called Xbox Tavern did an Xbox one, obviously they're going to give it a super high score, but um, like it's got awesome Metacritics. It does, but that's the thing. It doesn't have that many ratings and not from many places. So I'm only about, I would say on the fifth or sixth stage and I am liking it, but I'm not loving it yet. And also they do have this thing where you remember in super Mario world, how you could find multiple exits for a node on your your yep. map graph, they have the same thing. So I haven't found multiple exits in any of them yet. I don't know how that's going to progress, but uh, I, the first boss I fought was pretty fun. I feel and... kind of stupid considering Kaze is a Donkey Kong kind of successor. I feel like the dog is a bit like Yoshi. This feels like a Mario world successor to some degree. 
It, it kind of, you know what? It, now that I'm kind of talking about the map and everything, I would say it's kind of like Mario World with a sword. Yes, instead exactly. of like head bonking, uh, in that regard. So I do like it, and I well, would. Are you talking Bonk's Adventure people. or Mario here? There is an actual <laughs> head bonking <laughs> platformer. Yeah, Bonk's Adventure sucked. Uh, so I would I would recommend people go check it out, especially if you have Game Pass. I'm playing it on the PC. I think from the from Metacritic, it says it's not on next-gen consoles, only last-gen consoles. So that could be a deterrent to it. But I like I really like the art style a lot, and I think the animation is really good. And I, I'm going to keep playing it this week and see if it can grab me again. But um, it hasn't sunk its hooks in yet, but I recommend checking it out. Yeah, I'm going to download it immediately tonight. Looks like it's on sale on the Switch currently as well, if you don't have Game Pass. It's also on sale on Steam and probably everywhere else that has Black Friday nice. sale things. I'll yeah, just mention. Cool. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. Like, it seems like it's another one of these humble games ones that's yeah, it is. on Game Pass. But like, I don't. I didn't even notice when it got added. Like, it feels like it was retroactively thrown in the catalog, and I didn't even see it pop up. Well, I I saw it when it first came on, but I think it came on around the time that a bunch of other stuff came on. So like immediately got pushed like kind of to the end of the queue of that newly right. added list, which is definitely the downfall of game pass right now. Cause they are adding stuff too quickly in my opinion. And you don't, yeah. I mean, if you're a kid that has tons of time to pl- play everything right when it comes out, okay, that makes sense. But for, you know, I would say 90% of people that aren't playing eight hours a day, like Frank over there, uh, we can't all check out these games. It's just not possible. Yep. I'll just say I've been playing more Dicey Dungeons. I've completed all the episodes for The Thief. Now I'm one episode away from completing the uh, computer. What is it? The, the computer. I, I think it's computer. The calculator. Is it's, it's calculator? I think it's computer. But uh, the last one's pretty tough, but it is a difficult game and there is some RNG elements, but overall, I, uh, I'm i getting better. It's very creative. It's, uh, like I said, kind of a puzzle roguelike to some degree, and uh, it's a good game, a very good game, and I've got to do it all. I got to get a thousand. I need to do everything this game has <laughs> to prove I can to Huck. That's right. Nice. Um, okay, I'll just mention one more thing. So, you know, end of the year is coming. I got to check out some of these weird little indie games that I picked up on Steam that I never played. Uh, so I played a game called Quomp, Q-O-M-P. And what it is, it's basically like Pong, but if the ball escaped and then went on its own adventure, kind of, I guess. And so you control this square and all you can do, the only control you have, it's basically, it's a single button game and you can change the direction you're going in. So whatever angle you're moving at, you can reverse back along the same angle. That's all you can do. But you're basically, you know, reflecting off of things and, you know, there's boss fights. Like it's crazy what this looks amazing. Yeah, I'm constantly floored at the ideas that indie developers are coming up with. Like this is amazing. What a cool idea. 
Yeah, and it's like it's one of those things where it would be perfect on mobile, but I mean, I don't know if they have a mobile version in the works, but it's pretty cheap on Steam, I think. So give it a poke. <laughs> I'll be poking. <laughs> poking right now as we speak. <laughs> Do you have anything else, Frank? Uh, no. As I search for Quomp. Um, so I played one more game. I tried Last Stop, which is, I don't know even who made it, but it is on Game Pass is where so I played it. It's an Annapurna game, but I guess they're just the publisher, right? Sorry, what, yes. what's this one, Huck? Last Stop. Oh, right. So it's I, by I remember this, yeah. Viable, viable State? Variable State? And... So when this first came out, I think it was kind of marketed as you kind of switch roles with someone and then you have to kind of sneak around and play as kind of different roles in these stories. But, oh boy, this game is slow. Uh, So I played and I would say this is the definition of a walking simulator because literally for the hour I played this, all I did was like walk around and like you don't even interact with things. Uh, There was like one section where I was like running from a train and I had to like tap the shoulder buttons on my controller. And that was in the first two minutes of the game. And then after that, like you don't even have to hit a to pick up items. You literally are just like walking through the space as it's telling you the story and showing unique camera angles. And when I first saw this advertised, I was thinking, okay, it's kind of like a Telltale game meets uh, sort of like some sort of David Cage thing. And it is just missing a level of polish that really almost bothers me as a game developer. Like the, all the animations are very Telltale-esque. They're kind of janky. They're kind of stiff. They have, like one of my biggest pet peeves is they have like feet sliding in the animation and yeah, like they just don't look at like they're traveling at the right speed through the world. Uh, there's a lot of like clipping facial animations, and they have a lot of these like tight, uh, like dialogue moments where the camera is on people's faces, and then they just have like weird shadows and like things clipping through their face. And I, I just I don't get it. A lot of like weird lack of tutorialization. You you kind of play this intro, and uh a person you're with kind of disappears in this time portal. And then all of a sudden that part of the game just ends. And then you are left with this screen that has like three options of, I guess the three characters you could play as or the three key storylines. And then you just have to pick chapter one of each and you kind of play them in order or no, you don't play them in order. You pick you chapter one of each one and play them. So I played two of the three and I mean, some of the aspects of the story were kind of interesting, but there was just no game here at all from what I played. Maybe it gets more, like, even in a Telltale game, at least you have to click a button to choose a dialogue option. But in this, it was literally just like, I mean, you did pick some dialogue options, but it felt like they're basically all the same. Like, you're picking, like, no, Noah's an asshole, or Noah's not quite as much as an asshole. Like, there wasn't really much I kind of like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Does it actually say what you said there, or is it... No, no, it doesn't Oh, see, that that I like. I think, like, (laughs) deconstructing those dialogue choices would would be really funny. 
Yeah, no, it doesn't say that. Um, so I, I don't know. I just, I can't. I'm not going to play it anymore. It might get interesting, but it is just deathly slow. And for trying to get someone on board with this game in the first, like I played it for an hour, and felt like I did nothing. So that's like a long time to play a game with literally no real gameplay. So I would not recommend this game. I don't know what as a Metacritic. Um, like if any, I, I would I would maybe consider watching like a YouTube let's play at like two times speed or something. Maybe that's how I would consume this game to see if there's anything interesting. But overall, not recommended and had much higher hopes than um, I came away with on this one. It's already uninstalled. I think wow. the Metacritic's around like 65, so. Okay, okay. And that's probably with an indie bump to some degree, an art style bump. Maybe, yeah. User score is 3.8. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that know. is low. Wait, yeah. Sorry, what did you play this on? I played it on Game Pass PC. Oh, okay. All right. Anything else for you, Sean? No, I'll, uh, that's it for me for this week. All right, I kind of went over all the promotional stuff in an earlier part of the show, so I'll leave it at that. We'll see if there's anything new to talk about next week. Until then, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.